0: the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the co-founder of Kerez, Lena Kerez. Kerez began as the oldest herbal apothecary in Athens, Greece. Whilst working there, George Kerez began formulating topical cosmetics for his friends and loyal customers of the pharmacy and word quickly began to spread. Lena Filipou, now Lena Filipou Cares, a chemical engineer, commenced work at the pharmacy in 1996, and following consumer demand, the Cares brand was officially launched. Lena has always loved maths and science and considers herself a linear thinker. However, she didn't want to do something theoretical. She wanted to build and create something. She tells me that she fell in love with the Carez energy the moment she entered the pharmacy. By the turn of the century, George and Lena's tech-driven, naturally formulated skincare products had been picked up by Henry Bendel in New York and Harvey Nichols in London. Today, despite being a truly global brand, Carez remains true to its origins and its patented full-circle sustainable manufacturing processes. In this conversation, Lena shares why she feels there should be more women working in STEM globally, why she has youthful naivety to thank for the brand's initial launch, and why it's not enough to rely on consumer demand when it comes to new product ideas. So I understand that skin and more specifically science have always been part of your life. So I would love to go back to the very beginning. What is your very earliest memory of beauty? You already know that. It's <laughs> what happened to you as well, you know. Really? <laughs> yes, because when we're children, you know, and you're
1: running around the beach, we were we are living in Greece, but we were also crazy about going to the beach every day. We were counting, you know, how many times we go and all that. And it was hard for our mother to hunt us down, really to sit us down and put sunscreen on us. Mm. So before she managed to do that, you know, like. You know, you get the sunburn at some point, you're crying, it's painful. And then your mother or your grandmother, she will open the refrigerator and she will take the Greek yogurt from there, the one that we eat, and she will splash it on your back. And that saves your life. And that's how we got the idea also of creating our after sun products, because that is my very first memory. And I'm not the only one here. That's a collective memory of all Greeks and probably also visitors, you know.
0: Well, for context for everyone listening, I think most of them are aware that I'm very, very onto it with my sunscreen. But I was just telling Lena that my first real encounter with her brand was uh, in Greece with some of the after sun products when I had a lapse of judgment, and she saved my life. So, a bit of history there. To the right place, you know. Mm. We've done it many times. Mm. So you are a qualified chemical engineer, but when you were younger, what did you think that you might be when you grew up? Did you always have that interest in science?
1: Uh, Good question. Well, um, I did have a love for math, Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: especially, and all the sciences. I loved them. And my my teachers, my professors were telling me that I'm very, you know, a linear thinker, problem solver, that sort of, you know of you know way of thinking so at some point but i didn't want to do something theoretical i didn't want to become a professor or do theoretical research i wanted to be able to to do to build something you know to have something that this that you can put it in practice so that's how i realized and i you know studied, talked to different people try to do some you know coaching in amateur coaching, of course. And I understood that I have to go to engineering because this is more applied. So then, you know, as a chemical engineer, it seems like I can build many beautiful stuff if I I do that. So that's how I went in there. But I loved sciences. Yes. And uh, I have to say that, you know, being in the US for a long time now, 20 years I'm coming here in Europe and in Greece specifically, I don't think we have so much, you know, fear or we don't think science is so overwhelming for girls. Mm -hmm. And for me to see that around the world there is a lot of such, you know, feeling or concern. It is a big thing of my personality and I love to advocate for science for women because I believe women are built, our minds are more complex and we are built and we are more equipped to do a, a deeper dive in science not men really and that's a fact it's not it's not a prejudice so yeah girls should do it
0: i'm going to look into what the stats are here in australia because we don't have anywhere near as many women in stem as as we probably should because i do i think people find it intimidating Mm, exactly exactly same in the states i really don't know why it shouldn't be like that at all i think we are talented for
1: sciences Mm. And we're practical. Also, women are very practical, mm. and there is no and creative. So honestly, you have everything—all the elements that can give you a beautiful, you know, path if you master the sciences. Mm.
0: So my understanding of the brand is that it began as the oldest herbal apothecary in Greece back in the '80s, and your now husband, a pharmacist, was a part of that. What can you tell me about that time? What is the very early history of the business?
1: It was a magical time. And, of course, we were very young. And that Mm -hmm. helps because you have absolute, you know, lack of fear. And you don't sit down and calculate everything that can go wrong. You just jump on it. And you kind of need it, you know, to start entrepreneurship or, like, a company of your own and stuff like that. The pharmacy was very unique. I I did an interview there in the pharmacy and I fell in love, although it was not exactly what I had studied, but I felt there was an energy there. People were making stuff. There was a a fantastic laboratory in the pharmacy, in the back of the pharmacy. They were doing a lot of herbal preparations and the pharmacy has a tradition of herbal homeopathic remedies. We still make more than 3,000 herbal homeopathic remedies. So I just walked in there and I saw a huge love and respect and deep, deep knowledge of the herbal ingredients from the remedies. Mm. So I I loved what I saw there. And actually I joined before the company was founded. So we were working in the pharmacy and then out of, you know, a push and a kick and the demand from our customers, we said, okay, probably we need to do something bigger than the pharmacy. We need to create beauty products because people are asking for them. So that's how we started. People were coming there for the remedies, but they were so, so loyal, so satisfied with the efficacy of the remedies we were doing that they started asking for more products. So Cores is a brand that before we did any beauty formulations, we were doing remedies. So we know those ingredients inside out, how they work in your body when you take them orally, and then from there, how you you use them at a, at a you know at an external local application formula like a beauty product mm.
0: so that was 1996 that you officially launched it as a brand exactly. I would love to hear more about that time what was the gap in the market that you were looking to fill you obviously had this loyal customer base but what do you think it was about your approach that was resonating with them
1: that is the one million dollar question for me really because- <laughs> I really believe it because you you need to have a clear vision when you start a business so that other people can join you also and, you know, kind of embark on that vision. And for us, we were lucky at that time because the gap was huge in the market 1996. you have to think that if if as a person like you wanted to have a more natural lifestyle, you wanted to try natural products, the options were extremely limited. And every natural product out there was, number one, simplistic. Mm-hmm. They were not talking about efficacy. they were not talking about clinical results. None of that language. And number two, really, you had to make a sacrifice to use that product because they were smelling bad, looking bad simplistic approach so we said okay we have been in this pharmacy and we know the natural ingredients inside out but apart from that both jordan myself we are we were crazy about you know culture movies music books traveling we were that type of people and we said we don't even like the products that are out there. I would use a natural product but I just hate them. So we said okay there must be an opportunity here because with our understanding of you know the world around us and our aesthetics and our uh, you know just what we were dreaming to do and the deep knowledge of the natural ingredients if we put those two together then maybe we have an amazing product that doesn't exist out there
0: mm. and
1: that's the vision Really.
0: There might be a bit of overlap between this question and the last, but I did want to ask you about this because Coraz has been a natural, sustainably driven brand from day one, which is so interesting to me because on one hand it is ahead of its time because this does seem to be the way that the industry is moving now, but then on the other hand it feels like an almost historical sort of approach to formulation in that it was bringing things back to the basics how would you personally describe the brand's ethos
1: okay so i would start from what you mentioned last about formulation i think there is a little bit of a misunderstanding there that natural products are are back to the basics mm-hmm. Ingredients maybe are back to the basics because you know them from your home. You eat them, they grow around you, you are familiar with them. But the formulations are very complex. They are much, much more difficult than a conventional, you know, synthetic product because synthetic ingredients that are manufactured in the lab are very predictable and very standard. They are like, you just control how they smell, how they feel, how they look, everything, you control it. In nature, you don't control it. So you have to be able to work with those ingredients, the natural ingredients that have their own synergies, their own contradictions, their own very intense smell, their own living, they are living ingredients, they change. Or one year it rains more than the other year, they're a little bit different. So that formulation is really very demanding. And right now I feel that Our R&D team, our formulation R&D team, my team, is the most advanced R&D team for natural formulas in Europe, by far, hands down. We have mastered it because we're doing it 26 years and it requires skill and experience and very advanced knowledge. Now, if I hire somebody from a company like, I don't know, a big multinational and they're doing like conventional products and I bring bring them to our lab will be useless day one, you know, they have to forget about all those easy ingredients like silicones, mineral oil, forget about all that. That's another world. So formulation wise, it required a lot of science, a lot of expertise, it's not back to basics as a product. Now the company ethos, I would say that I think I could describe everything we are doing with two words, ownership, and responsibility. I would feel very, very concerned and very, very uneasy selling a product that I have not made myself, or I don't know exactly what we put inside, exactly the process that we followed, exactly where did we source our ingredients and all of that. So we have decided, and that's not the, the, the smartest choice financially, but we have decided really to be a vertical integrated organization Mm -hmm. And our ethos is described by by that principle, we want to own what we're doing and be 1000% sure we're giving an amazing quality and efficacious product to the consumers. We start from, you know, the soil lab where we grow our plants, the farmers, we know them by name, they're friends now more than a thousand families we bring those ingredients in-house in our facility and we do the extraction so we own the quality of the raw material then we do formulation we did, we do the studying of the product production in-house and at the end even the recycle lab is in-house. So there is nothing about this product that we don't really own and know very well because many of the brands out there you know you can find really good formulas from a third party manufacturer, you put your name, it's your brand, you can sell it. But how much do you know about it? That would make me as a scientist very uneasy. Mm. So this is our ethos as a brand. We can guarantee the product that we put out there.
0: I'm going to come back to that vertical approach because I think there is so much in that that is worth spending time on. But you've given me a good segue because I did want to ask about the challenges that you experienced in the early days, particularly around formulation, because the brand does really hero these Greek staple ingredients like olive oil, Greek yoghurt. I imagine that presented a few challenges, though, because it's one thing to be using these beautiful, fresh ingredients, but then to go ahead and make them shelf-stable, to make them something that you can ship all over the world, is another thing entirely.
1: You're so right. You're so right. Well, I will confess something. The love and hate ingredient, the ingredient that we all, you know, love, but also deeply hate is Greek yogurt because Greek yogurt is a life culture. It contains yeah. more than 4,000 living organisms, living bacteria, good bacteria that, you know, they are living, they're interacting. Mm. So how do you go about it? And uh, that was the biggest challenge that we ever, ever faced as a formulation team. Honestly, it took us many, many years. We started from that idea we were discussing in the beginning my God, your Greek yogurt can save your life if you have a sunburn. So how did then not anybody think about it? Well, why don't we find, you know, an sun with Greek yogurt out there? And then we say, okay, okay, that's a great idea. We can do that. We go to the lab and what follows is three years of disaster of mm-hmm. trying to formulate and nothing was stable. We, it was completely impossible. And then we really shifted the mentality of formulation and the way of thinking and we started the formula with the yogurt, and we, and we started adding one by one the ingredients that can work with yogurt, and not the other way around, have a formula and add yogurt in it. Mm. So totally different approach. And at the end of the day, we were, we were able to preserve that product, really mimicking what is happening in our stomach when we eat the yogurt. In our stomach, those bacteria are alive, but they are deactivated by the organic acids that exist in our stomach and they help us digest. So those organic acids are one of the best choice of food grade preservatives that are used also in the beauty industry. And we use these exact ones to control the bacteria in the formulation. So there could not be a more natural and nature mimicking way of preserving a product like that, and that's what we did. And when it comes to shipping around the world, I, w- I really want to say this loud for for your viewers and your your listeners to be safe to be to feel safe that every product out there, natural, synthetic, whatever it is, we all follow the same protocols when testing about preservatives. Mm. So you should never assume that a natural product is less stable. Man, no, we have to do the exact same. If it's, Is it more difficult for us to do it? Yes, a hundred times more, but we have to do the same thing. Otherwise, you don't ship. You do it at home, you use it on your own, and you're done. You know? mm.
0: It's so just as stable, but it takes about three times as much work <laughs> behind the scenes. Imagine After we
1: mastered yogurt, and actually, funny trivia, we are the only brand globally that since 2003... Until now, nobody else formulates with real edible Greek yogurt. That is, and I don't think the will really, it is it is very hard. But once we mastered that, we learned a lot. And then the, the ingredients that followed, like olive oil, which is, again, mm-hmm. not very easy. But everything else, we had a lot more knowledge to understand how we should approach it.
0: Well, I can't imagine anyone else will be using Greek yogurt having heard that. If they were thinking about it, they'd probably be like, if they were thinking about it, they would just stop doing it now. Might file this one under a little bit too hard. (laughs) (laughs) The very first product that you launched back in 1996 was the Wild Rose 24-Hour Brightening Cream. I have a few questions about this. Firstly... Mm -hmm. Why was it this specific product that you officially launched the skincare range with? Everything happens
1: because the customers demand it. So, new story here, in the pharmacy, we had a lot of really handmade formulations that we were keeping in the refrigerator, and, you know, they had a very short life cycle. We also had some Amazing ingredients that you know we knew from the pharmacy, and some of them in their purest form. And one of them was the wild rose oil, so the 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 rosa canina um, extract uh, from the stems and the seeds and all of that. So it's an oil that comes from when you press those parts of the rosa canina. So the wild rose uh, oil was the most popular little pure ingredient in the pharmacy we used to put it in a small glass you know vial with a rollerball and then Mm -hmm. people were buying it and were using it on their face and it used to really efficiently get rid of any skin scars skin marks pigmentation discoloration very high content of vitamin C, very rich in linoleic and linolenic acid, the essential fatty acids. So very, very intense healing and repetitive power. So that little vial was the best-selling active in the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we thought, okay, this needs to be the, the basis of our first moisturizer that people are asking for. And that's how the Wildgrass 24-hour moisturizer was born using that very same active ingredient that made, you know, was so popular in the pharmacy.
0: Wow. So this product is still a part of the range today, 26 years later. What do you think it is about your approach to product formulation that has allowed for such staying power, staying both relevant and true to the brand's roots that have been in place for decades now, It's a difficult balance to strike, but you've absolutely perfected it.
1: I love this question, really. And uh, when you do, like I've done product innovation all my life, it's Mm -hmm. something that you sleep and wake up with in your mind. What does make a product, what is it that makes a product a love product, an iconic product, a live forever product, something that people want in their lives? What is it that makes a product iconic? So there are a few things there. To begin with, I think it has to do with product truth. And this product definitely had a fantastic ingredient, a fantastic, you know, story, heritage story in the pharmacy. And the truth of, you know, the product really working and delivering what it was made for. That's one part of it. But having said that, in terms of formulation, the formulation has not stayed the same for twenty six years because it would be totally, you know, irrelevant right now. Right. And the same goes for every iconic product you know out there. For example, um Estee Lauder Advanced Night Repair. That's the
0: first thing that popped into my head.
1: Exactly, exactly. Of course, for for anyone, I think. That product has been upgraded many, many times, mm. not in a way that will, you know, make you see the difference when you first use it, but you will, but there are so many technologies, so many new ingredients that are born, you know, through the years, that you cannot leave your formulation to be outdated. So the same with the wild growth, always, you know, keeping that core customer always delivering the same core benefits, but incorporating new technologies. For example, a few years back, like about 10 years ago, in Japan, there was a launch of a phenomenal ingredient that we call Super C, Super Vitamin C. Mm-hmm. This is a stabilized for, form of vitamin C because, you know, even consumers know that, stabi- that vitamin C degrades. So sometimes mm-hmm. you have it there, but it doesn't do anything for you because it's already oxidized and deactivated. So that was a very stable form of ascorbic acid, which is the vitamin C that delivers 1000% more penetration and efficacy than the original vitamin C ascorbic acid so when you have ingredients like that and you are talking about the product that is brightening and delivers vitamin C through the wilder's oil and you have such a phenomenal new technology around vitamin C you need to use it we're not gonna you know just shift the product to a different direction but we're gonna boost it more and more with technologies that deliver those core benefits. So this is one part of this and then product truth, which means the heritage, the story of how it was created, the iconic ingredients. If you put all of that together, then sometimes you can strike magic and you can create an iconic product. Out of a 100, that can be one or two. But that's amazing. So. <laughs>
0: I imagine this sort of youthful naivety that you touched on earlier will come into play here. But in the beginning, did you have any idea that the brand would have the staying power that it has had? Was there a long-term plan at all or were you just working off instinct?
1: No long-term, even not short-term <laughs> <laughs> a lot of youthful naivety Uh, no but uh, actually we had a very clear vision like we said we had the dream and we wanted deep in our hearts because you know when you start something like that then your friends are telling you so what do you do there can i try and then what really makes you stressed is oh my god i want to make them proud i don't want to be you know Like I don't want them to laugh at me. So for our families and our friends, we wanted to make them proud. We wanted to give them a a really nice product. And that's how it started, really, you know, from trying to give the love and give a great product to your loved ones. And then your loved ones become more and more. And then you have customers become friends and they spread the word. And that's how it goes. So that's what we wanted to do from day one. We were not thinking, okay. We're in this pharmacy, a neighborhood pharmacy. You know, any product that you do is good enough for a neighborhood pharmacy. We wanted to do a product that is good enough for global standards, because there was nothing out there for people that were like-minded like us. Want a natural product, we are scientists, want an efficacious product, we want it to look good, and you know, all of that.
0: Knowing how loyal that customer base is, More or less the same question, but your approach to product development, are you constantly thinking about what will come next or are you working off the demand from the customers or is it a combination of both?
1: Uh, I have to quote somebody here because honestly, he he has said it in the best way than anybody. So definitely, you are listening to the customer. You cannot be deaf. But at the same time, the customer is not a chemist and they are not a formulator. So sometimes they don't know what you know and they cannot imagine what you can do for them. And that's where I want to quote Steve Jobs when he said that, you know, if I asked the consumers, the customers, they would never tell me I want an iPhone because they could not imagine that would be something like that would be possible. But he could because he was an expert in his field. So I feel the same way. Really really open your eyes and listen to the to the consumer's need. But you are responsible. Don't put that, you know, job on their hand, you're responsible to deliver the best possible answer to their need. And that Mm. they cannot tell you, you have to come up with it, you have to do your job. So and on top of all that, there is a lot of research that is happening out there research on raw materials, which is a phenomenal source of innovation. And also we as a brand, we are the, the primary protagonist in Europe when it comes to primary research on natural ingredients. We have completed more than four big, na- multinational, global primary research products. And we have delivered seven completely new ingredients wow. in the World Inky directory. The World Inky is called Winky. It's a directory of all the beauty ingredients. Seven of them have our name. It's the Koreas white pine extract. That is the result of research. So research, primary research, Listen to the consumer, but do your job and figure the best solution to their needs. They cannot tell you that.
0: I love that. As we've established, you are a very big believer that nature really possesses everything that our skin needs. This seems to be the direction that a large portion of the beauty industry is heading now. So I would love your take on this. Why do you think it took the industry so long to catch on?
1: Many reasons. Number one, cost, natural yeah. ingredients, you know, m- more expensive. For example, any natural oil is more than 10 times more expensive than mineral oil, which is the basis of, which is a petrochemical, Base of a synthetic product can be 30% mineral oil. If you try to do that with a natural oil, your cost will go sky high. Number two, expertise. Like we were saying in the beginning, it's very difficult to formulate naturals. Number three, and more importantly, the most important thing out there is that we get educated and we get more conscious as consumers. So 30 years back, not many people knew that it's good if you eat organic ingredients, it's good for you. Or some things are good for you and are good for the planet and other things are not good for the planet. There wasn't so much consciousness around those things. And that took years and when, when this, becomes part of our mentality, then the market will have to follow, will have to shift, and then new natural ingredients will be born, and we, as formulators, now we have so many more weapons and ingredients to use than we had 30 years back. So it was, you know, it took some time for the society first to reach that level of education and consciousness, and then and then the market will follow. Hmm.
0: I would love to hear more about the evolution of Cores as a brand. It was in 2000 that the brand was picked up by Henry Bendel in New York City, was picked up by Harvey Nichols London very soon thereafter. What did that huge, huge increase in demand do for the brand? Did that present any challenges as far as stock levels go? Well, I'll
1: tell you the way it went number one funny story there it was actually henry bendel that picked the brand first
0: mm-hmm. because
1: there was this guy he was on, on a holiday on the island of Crete, and he saw the, the products in a tiny pharmacy on the island of Crete, and he sent us a fax back then back then there were no emails so he sent us a fax and we started communicating and we started working with him and he was really amazing and he took the product to some beautiful locations here in new york then year End of 1999, Harvey Nichols launches an inspired beauty environment that they called Beyond Beauty. And that was the first retail environment globally where I feel natural products could have a home. Because if you put a product like us next to an Estee Lauder or next to a Strivectin, it doesn't make sense to the consumer. They they hear that those are, you know, black and white approaches. Mm. So, so different. So for the consumer, they thought Harvey Nichols, okay, let's curate an environment for those people where you have organic juices, you have an oxygen bar, you have natural products, all of that sort of thing. And that was phenomenal and and super innovative. So Harvey Nichols, because they wanted to scout products for that innovative concept, they went around the world and they sent a buyer for six months to New York and she discovered us in New York. So our first shipment to Europe, to the UK, went from New York because this is what happens when you don't have a plan, but (laughs) you have an amazing product and then things, good things happen to you. So that's the beginning of the story. And what this did for us is a domino effect. And we realized sooner than later that the world is not so big. The world of premium department stores is not big. Mm. So you have Harvey Nichols, you have Delay Lafayette, you have Bon Marché, you have like 10 places like that in Europe, another 10 in the U.S., and our first distribution were those places. Very upscale, amazing with, you know, trying to get into the natural concept, but doing it in an amazing elevated way. So it did not, we didn't go mass, we didn't go, you know, to a huge supermarket chain that would, you know, Mm. throw us off our ability to produce. And also it was the right thing to do for building our brand. So it happened in a very nice way that, you know, protected what we were doing really. Mm.
0: It was in 2003 that you invested in your own research and development team, as we've established the hardest working team there is, and built your own manufacturing facility. And it was from there that you really created that trademarked full circle manufacturing process now we touched on this earlier but i think it's worth spending a bit more time on what can you tell me about that full circle process
1: yes the full circle process is really what we stand for why we are different in this world and what the consumer can expect from us and how they can engage with us there is a whole this is a truly sustainable model and it took us 26 years to build it Mm -hmm. and it's a, because it is a universe of network, partnerships, people that work together, equipment, know-how, all of that take years to put together and have a vertical process, which we call our full circle because it is a full circle. And there are amazing things that are happening in that full circle. Like we said earlier, first you start from the raw material, the, the, the plants, We have a network of 1,000 farming families that work with us and give us the most amazing quality of ingredients, all organically cultivated, all in the best soils of Greece, all in the best places where you get the best quality of those powerful ingredients. Then you have the extraction lab. So we bring those ingredients in-house and the extraction process is a little full circle on its own because we take the plant, we use it in the facility, we put natural solvents, we extract the active molecules, and the extraction, simply put, is like you make a tea at home at huge industrial scale. You put your tea, your herb, your herbs, with water, that is your solvent, you heat it, you don't have to boil it because then you kill the active. you heat it to 60, 70 degrees maximum, Celsius, I'm sorry, and then, What you drink contains the actives, but also you have some leftovers. The leftovers are those particles of the plant, which we, in our huge industrial scale, we take those leftovers and we send them back to the farmers to be used Mm -hmm. as fertilizer for the next year harvest. That's a beautiful full circle there. And we take those active molecules, we go to the molecular lab, we study them, we study how they interact with our skin cells, what exactly they can do for us. Then we go to formulation lab. We create our beautiful formulas. Packaging lab, design lab, design sustainable packaging. We produce. And when you are done with your product and you're willing to bring us your empties, we recycle in our own recycle lab. So from the soil to everything that happens in the facility to then getting it back from the consumers, recycling and giving a little bit of a, of a token of appreciation back to the consumer as a gift.
0: Wow. So it
1: is a full circle, really, in reality.
0: I see why that took such a long time to establish because these are exactly. not processes that come to fruition overnight. Of course.
1: And a lot of investment, also, you know, and, and, and the know how and the people, all
0: that. Wow. 2006 saw the launch of Core's Color what led to that launch what made you want to extend the range beyond skincare and into makeup
1: yeah and i'm I'm even yet not decided if you know we should do that or not (laughs) however we did it because again people wanted also makeup but honestly we did it in order to be able to bring powerful ingredients that we were using in our skincare into the next step Mm -hmm. so because everybody uses makeup so you know, you have to complete that, you know, good that you're doing on your skin. So, having the Wildrose Moisturizer and then completing that range with the Wildrose Foundation or then Black Pine Foundation, like that's what we wanted to do. We didn't care so much about, you know, 100 colors in eyeshadows, in but we wanted to use our heritage skincare ingredients into the skincare items in makeup. So, that that's was the goal behind it. And I think. People loved it and it
0: makes sense. Mm. Today, the brand is stocked globally, including here in Australia at Mecca. What have been some of the differences that you have noticed in, say, the shopping habits from country to country and in turn, the way that people from different regions are approaching beauty
1: Yes, well, yes, there are differences for sure. I mean, I will speak mostly about Europe and the US because these are our two bigger markets that I feel I know better. Uh, So in Europe, it's definitely a more conservative market and uh, people are more, I would say, a little bit balanced in their choices and they don't go crazy overnight about a new trend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They take time to read to kind of, you know, understand. And then they jump in a new trend, usually not as pioneers, but probably later on. In the US, I am a little bit scared of what's happening. Because number one, I see people 20 years old, 25 years old going crazy about, you know, the most efficient and aging products, which is not the best thing to do really, because your skin needs to follow in natural You need you need to follow what your skin need is. And don't, you know, overload it with ingredients that it does not need. Because then when you need them, they won't help you. Uh, Because there is such a thing as, you know, habit in our skin. Or, you know, how you work with your skin. So that is a bit, for me, off. And also that, you know, one day we're talking about, let's say, any kind of crazy trend. And then the next day, everybody's doing it. But how did you have the time to look into it? So I think here it's more about, you know, the moment and not so much about the education. In Europe, it is more about, you know, the education and getting in the process and getting to, underst- to understand what. That's a huge difference. And then in a place in, in China, for example, is, again, a different game. Everything is influencer driven or they call they they call them KOLs those you know people that are you know have an influence power the consumers there completely identify with those people wow. they think of them as their friends and they will follow anything they say that's already three very different mm-hmm. approaches i think australia is really closer to europe it's yes. more it's not a, it's it's more of a of a of, you know, of of a balanced education driven, I think, market and people just because also they are more, um, they're closer to nature, they tend to, you know, navigate towards natural ingredients, read a little bit more, educate themselves and all of that. So, yes, it is a big world in terms of, you know, different attitude of, of different consumer behaviors and it's exciting, really, it's fascinating.
0: It's interesting that you've mentioned social media there because I think um, that might, it's a nice lead into my next question. You've been part of the beauty industry for over 26 years now. Over, say, the last five to 10 years, what are some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry?
1: Well, the, um, I don't know if I want to speak about social media because those things everybody knows. I mean, and we're like- across it. We're across it and it's also a last 10 ten, fifteen year old, I don't know, trend. So all of us have lived through it. I don't think I have anything new to say there. Of course, you know, first of all, it's on Instagram, then it was TikTok, but that all doesn't, you know, make a huge difference. What I honestly I, I want to talk more about the science. Mm, For me please. there are a couple of huge discoveries that have completely reshaped how we look at beauty. The first one was the proteasome. The proteasome is the recycle bin, like the recycle bin you have on your computer, the recycle bin of our skin. Where do all the toxins go? Where do all that bad stuff goes? They go into the proteasome. And what happens there? Proteasome breaks them down and creates new healthy proteins for the skin. Wow. So when people discovered that, that was back in 2004, and it was a Nobel Award the discovery. That really changed how we formulate anti-aging products completely because we were able to decode what is the most important regenerating mechanism of our skin. That for me is, is a dis- the discovery of the millennia. And then most, more recently, we have the microbiome. The microbiome is the technology that we, and protosome is how we formulated our black pine and our white pine totally on that technology, because we have an in house science team. I know this is the biggest thing out there in science. The microbiome is a different type of equally huge discovery. And that has to do with the health aspects of the skin, not the anti aging, but how, for example, so many people now and even more and more people suffer from sensitivity, discomfort, itchiness, um, rosacea, eczema, acne—all of that is some type of imbalance or disturbance in our skin, and the microbiome is the explanation behind it. So again, science was able to decode why some skins are, you know, imbalanced and disturbed, and how we can can we help the skin rebalance. So in our yogurt line, we have made. I don't know if it's the first, but it's definitely one of the very serious and core lines that are clinically proven to rebalance the microbiome. And when we say sensitive skin, we don't need that is a product that contains only three ingredients. So, yes, it won't harm you, but it will also help you. It will help you rebalance the microbiome because your microbiome will be disturbed. Because every day we go out there, there is pollution, there is, you know, air conditioning, there is allergens, there is toxins, there is smoke. All of that will disturb us. So you have to do something about it. So the protosome and the microbiome, I want to look at it from those are the two biggest platforms in the 30 years I've been in the beauty industry. And they will keep innovating. I don't care so much about, you know, social media will change. For me, the principles do not change. Mm. Back in the day, it was the printed magazines. Then it became more digital. Then it became more socially driven. But the principle is the same. You create engagement. You you create, you know, brand awareness. You bring consumers in. That's the principle. Now, the vehicle that you do it may change. But I don't think that's the most important
0: thing. Mm. Those say discoveries in mind what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next few years
1: Uh, all all the discoveries will be around those two big platforms and not Mm. only beauty more importantly also in medicine Mm. Uh, this is for example they are they are now uh, studying uh, medicine for alzheimer based on the proteasome because alzheimer is is caused by damaged toxin proteins. So if you can activate the proteasome to repair those proteins, you can cure a disease that has such a source, a cause. These are very serious things and they have multiple miraculous effects in our our whole body, not only our skin. So there will be a lot that we will see in the coming years. And I don't know what's, what's next because a big discovery like this, happens maybe every decade or every two decades it's not every year
0: wow lena my final question what is next for chorus well there is something coming up right now that i would love
1: to talk about we are launching a new website and we will launch first year in the u.s because we're crazy about it and together with the website will be a phenomenal loyalty like you know loyalty program like rewarding program we call it love rewarded and for me that's so important because what we want to do with this website in the loyalty is really be very interactive and bring the full circle to life so i want to be able to not sit here and tell a story but bring people in all those things that we are doing give them access to the labs give them access to formulators ask them, let them ask questions, be part of a harvest, be part of, you know, our plant hunter is going around Greece, discovering new ingredients, or we have a phenomenal recycling activation in a recycle lab. I want to bring all of that to life digitally through our website. It's very, very interactive with amazing depth and beautiful, you know, things to do there. And at the same time, we have in the last three months, we opened a store in New York City because that will be the place where we physically bring to life as much as we can, because at the end of the day, if somebody can visit it, I think that's that is you know still where people we love to interact, we love to touch and feel, right? But again, we can sit anywhere and be part of experience because of the beautiful, uh, you know, digital platforms out there. So that is huge for us, and that is another you know phase in our dream, because I think for the first time we will bring people in those amazing things we are are doing and many people want to know where does this plant come from or how do you recycle and as brands we have the responsibility and the obligation to give them that access so I am really dreaming of it I think it will be amazing
0: that was Lena Carrez, co-founder of Carrez which you can find on Instagram at korez and at korez.athens. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.